gives us opportunities to promote our long-term economic competitiveness and climate resilience. As our government develops our medium-term recovery plan, attention must now be focused immediately on stabilizing sectors hard hit by the pandemic. In our space, this includes particularly nature-based tourism, the ocean's economy, and the circular economy. The revised budget and plans we table for consideration today represent our department's response to the difficult choices that confront us. Firstly, our department received a net budget loss of 8.6%, amounting to a cut of 766 million. This money we surrendered as part of our collective contribution to the National COVID-19 Response Plan and to the post-lockdown economic recovery. To ensure the budget cut had a minimal effect on our programs, we effected savings on advertorials, domestic and international travel, public meetings, stakeholder consultation and events, most of which are no longer possible under current conditions. Our four entities, Sandpark, Sandby, Isimangaliso and the Weather Service, all of which have a good record of revenue generation and self financial self-sustainability, were unable to realize their usual income streams. In the first quarter of this year, our working for programs were not able to operate due to lockdown conditions. By cutting back on now unachievable targets in this program, we've been able to transfer 39 million rand to Isimangaliso Wetland Park Authority and 961 million to Sandparks. In doing this, we've ensured the sustainability of our protected areas and the significant role they play in supporting our country's mega biodiversity. We have also ensured the future sustainability of our contribution to nature-based tourism and its longer-term employment potential. To further secure the financial viability of our four entities, we have taken the following decisions. Capital spending in all four entities has been postponed while we look for alternative funding sources through the agency of the Presidential Sustainable Infrastructure Development Program. In total, 29 environmental projects have been submitted for project preparation. Budgets initially earmarked for capital spending have been shifted to prevent job losses and ensure we have human resources to continue the valuable work performed by our entities. Our national parks are not the only conservation formations facing distress during these difficult times. Our provincial parks also face distress. To assist in this regard, all members of the provincial executive councils have agreed that the recommendations of a 2012 study entitled Review of Institutional Arrangements for Management of Protected Areas must be revisited. Work is currently underway to review these recommendations for consideration over the coming year. Several non-governmental organizations in the conservation space are also facing financial distress due to cessation of international visitors who provided the lifeblood for their projects. In response to this situation, I have taken a two-pronged approach informed by South Africa's current position as president of AMSON and the important role that the biodiversity economy plays in the country's development plan. Firstly, I have established a ministerial task team on resource mobilization for conservation COVID-19 responses, comprising experts from diverse backgrounds to consider innovative approaches to sustainable funding for the conservation sector. The second initiative is one our department is working on together with the IUCN and the Endangered Wildlife Trust. We have established a number of working groups to make recommendations on how we support the post-COVID recovery of the biodiversity and conservation sector and build our nature positive future. While this work is still at an early stage, future success will require much greater coordination 
between government and non-governmental sectors. Together, we will have to rethink how we cooperate to restore ecosystem services, protect strategic water sources, and develop green infrastructure. It will require us to rethink the form and nature of our current Together, we will have to rethink how we cooperate to restore ecosystems from both domestic and international sources. Despite our budget cuts and a late start to our expanded public works program, we still aim to create 16,000 work opportunities this year. We will ensure that 60% of people who benefit from the implementation are women, 65% are young, and 2% are persons with disabilities. Honorable members, this year, the Paris Agreement that falls under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change comes fully into force. Our country is a signatory to the Paris Agreement and together with other signatories, we are reviewing our contributions to reducing emissions and building our resilience to the impacts of climate change through our nationally determined contributions or NDCs. We aim to commence with the public participation process on South Africa's NDCs while adhering to COVID-19 lockdown regulations in September. Work also continues on our climate change bill with processes in NEDLAC hopefully reaching conclusion in August, so we can still submit to this house before the end of the current financial year. To fast track the development of renewable energy projects in line with the integrated resource plan, our department last week called for public comment on three more renewable energy development zones, namely Emalacheni in Mpumalanga, Clarkstorp in Northwest and Beaufort West in the Western Cape. This will bring to 11 the number of REDs in the country. The REDs represent priority areas for investment in the electricity grid regarded as an enabler of higher levels of renewable penetration in our country. Projects located within the boundaries of the REDs are beneficiaries of streamlined environmental authorization processes. Honorable members, waste recycling and the transition to a circular economy is an area where our department must speedily and dramatically upscale its interventions to create jobs, formalize micro-waste recovery enterprises, diverse waste from landfills and the environment, and improve the overall system of waste management. In this regard, I'm happy to share with this House today that the Waste Tire Management Plan and the extended producer responsibility plans for sectors, including paper and packaging, lighting and e-waste, have been published for public comment and will soon be gazetted. These plans have been developed under sections 29 and 18 of the Waste Act, respectively. As I conclude, allow me to return to the blue economy. The South African fishing sector remains a significant contributor to food security. Stabilizing the subsector through the allocation of longer-term fishing rights is critical to attracting investment. To this end, in 2019, the Cabinet extended the timeline for dealing with the fishing rights allocation process, or FRAP. The revised period for the commencement of the FRAP process for the granting of commercial rights was published on the 26th of June this year for public comment. Of crucial importance at this stage is to stabilize our aquaculture sector and the jobs it sustains. We are finalizing consultations on the aquaculture bill so that we provide policy certainty without overregulation. We hope to bring this bill to the House next year. Securing sustainable markets for our aquaculture products remains a crucial, of crucial importance at this time, when Asian markets have been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic and South African producers face competition from cheap imports. Our team is currently working with the DTI and the industry to identify and secure new international and domestic markets. 
Securing the safety of our domestic fish stocks is, of, is a central requirement for a sustainable industry. High quality information to inform management decisions is the cornerstone of sound fisheries management. Under tight resource constraints, the department must rebuild this capacity in partnership with other branches, the industry and tertiary institutions. Under the auspices of the Pakisa Initiative 5, we have together with other law enforcement authorities focused on preventing illegal harvesting of marine resources. To date, total confiscations of illegal catch have amounted to more than 13 million. To ensure more permanent deployment of security personnel, the next step is a marine and coastal sectoral threat risk and opportunity analysis to inform where we should focus at a strategic and operational level. Allow me to thank our Deputy Minister, Ms. Makatsal Sochu, our Acting Director General, Mr. Shama Bada, and Team Environment, Forestry and Fisheries, as well as the CEOs of our entities for all their support and hard work over the past year. My appreciation goes to Honorable Fugila Klasa and members of the Portfolio Committee for their oversight role and for ensuring we remain accountable in the public domain for all that we do. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank the many non-governmental organizations and individuals who dedicate their time and efforts to the sustainable management of our environment and our natural resource base. Your passion and commitment inspires us each and every day. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The next speaker is the Honourable Tasa. The Honourable Chairperson, the Honourable Minister, the Honourable Deputy Minister, Sochu, and the other Deputy Ministers who might be here. Um, honorable members, especially members of the Portfolio Committee, our esteemed environmental, forestry, and fisheries stakeholders, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me take this opportunity first to say in the name of the committee, African National Congress. The committee, the portfolio committee. What's happening now here? The portfolio committee, let me continue. The portfolio committee on environment, forestry, and fisheries, indirected with the Department of Environment, Forestry, and Fisheries on the 10th of July, 2020, in its revised performance targets to the 2020-2021 annual performance plan in respect to the revised 2020-2021 budget. In respect to the revised 2020-2021 budget, which was effected on the adjusted 2020-21 national budget, 
which was tabled on the, uh, by the Minister of Finance on the 24th of June, 2020. I would like to thank the Honorable Minister Cressy and her team for their prompt reaction to retable the department's revised annual performance targets on time as per the requirement of the parliamentary program framework to make the said indirection possible to produce this outcome report that I rise to present to this August House for consideration and adoption on behalf of my committee. I therefore rise unconditionally to support the adjusted 2021 budget uh, as presented. I therefore also want to congratulate the minister for the eloquent speech in presenting the budget debate. Uh, most of us as members of the committee would have supported most of the issues that she raised. Chairperson, Deputy Speaker, I would like to take this uh, opportunity to remind the House that the strategic plan 2019-2020 was presented uh, as was presented uh, in February. And uh, the budget adopted uh, later would like as well to say in response to the 2021 national budget tabled in February 2020. However, the ongoing threat of COVID-19 pandemic to public health, the damage to the national economy and the disruption to the daily life have caused South Africa to take unprecedented steps to contain the impact of the coronavirus. Budget plays a central role in government's response to the coronavirus and its fallout as governments worldwide pay special attention to the needs of their citizens, especially those who are particularly vulnerable to the devastation health and uh, economic impact of COVID-19. To meet these unparalleled challenges, governments need to have sufficient public funding to ensure a comprehensive response. Consequently, the South African government uh, set aside 800 billion so that we will be able to make sure that we are able to respond the department, as well as other national government departments, had to make sure that they contribute to government's overall COVID-19 response and post-lockdown economic recovery initiatives. This was the basis for adjusted budget 2020-2021 national budget, and hence this budget vote debate that we are doing now. We appreciated the assurances that Minister Chrissy and her team provided to mitigate the impact of the pandemic, not only on the performance of the department and entities, but also on livelihoods. 
This is important for the department and its five entities. They do not only provide direct and indirect employment to our people, but a huge number of our coastal communities. Look to our seas, let alone our onshore fisheries resources. It is important to note that the transfer of the forestry and fisheries branch to the Department of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries on the 1st of April 2020 as part of the National Macro Organization of Government has meant that the department's footprint in the lives of the South Africans has increased substantially thereby making the implementation of the concept of sustainable development a reality. The department now has nine branches of programs. Overall, the committee noted the manner in which the department and entities functioned to execute their mandate and take on new responsibilities for managing the fallout of COVID-19 pandemic on our people at such an uncertain time in the history of humanity. Uh, our committee would uh, like to indicate immediately that uh, we are satisfied and aware about the challenges that confront uh, society in the country Honorable Chairperson, I would like to end my debate by thanking the minister, including the Deputy Minister, Megisochu, and the executive management and officials of the department and entities for their cooperation as we are doing our work of oversight, as well as thank Nosi Po Naba, the former DG of the department, for her sterling work in contributing to the work that the department and ourselves as a portfolio committee have been doing. Otherwise, thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Lorimer. Thanks, Mr. Chair. In this budget, more important than how much money there is, is whether or not it is properly spent. There's big money in fishing and big corruption. And the way the department has failed to deal with it is emblematic of its failures in other areas. The ANC's National Development Plan, to which it pays sporadic fealty, speaks of the importance of marine fisheries for coastal communities, and that's as it should be. And it follows from that that coastal communities should be the beneficiaries of fishing rights. So why then does somebody in Boxburg get a crayfish quota? Why do people with no discernible connection to the sea suddenly get a hake quota? They don't have a boat, they don't have a factory. What they do have is BEE credentials. And we all know that not just any person gets BEE, you have to have a family connection to the ANC faction in power, or you have to be important in a party. Promises to investigate previous quota allocations, for example, the 2016 frac process have got nowhere. Some bizarre allocations remain unchanged. Now we're heading for a major new fishing rights allocation process, the frac 2021. The department is advertising all sorts of commendable appointments and safety measures to make sure there's no cheating. But in the end, the person who will decide whether objections are valid or not will be the Deputy Director General of Fisheries. What happened to the last DDG, I wonder? We need to be able to trust that person. 
Currently, there is a process to appoint a new DDG of fisheries, but there's no indication as to who is in the running. What is likely, based on past performance, is that it will be somebody who is compliant with and perhaps even assists the steering of juicy quotas to ANC comrades. If the minister wants to ensure a credible process, she should reveal who is in the running for this job and the basis on which that person will be chosen. Fish is a finite resource, all the more reason that rights should be focused on coastal communities and on where they provide the most jobs. Rights should not be handed out as rewards to ANC members who will on-sell them to the companies who do have boats after taking a handsome profit. Fisheries was once a great asset. The ANC government has made it a piggyback. Remember the patrol boat fleet we used to have. Remember the research capacity we used to have. There are still some good scientists struggling against the odds, but it's difficult to get anything implemented when the money is gone. Because in the ANC, political connections are more important than honesty. Where it has not been crooked, the department has failed because it tried to impose ANC ideologies, like forcing small-scale fishers into cooperatives. Cooperative success stories are as rare in our fishing communities as they were in the Soviet Union. One or two Potemkin examples, and the rest are on a scale ranging from unsustainable to disaster. There are even now stories of co-ops on selling their fishing rights. The department has swept easily from neglect to micromanagement in aquaculture, which has been disappointing as a creator of value and jobs. The department tried unsuccessfully to start small businesses because the ANC cannot grasp that the complexities of starting a business cannot be successfully negotiated by government. And that means by any government, not one, especially not one, which can't even achieve the basics of governance. Rather than trying to dictate every participant and every outcome, government should stand back and clear the way for business to succeed. Government needs to have an eye on the big picture, growth, preservation, sustainability and success, rather than on merely enforcing arcane rules. Now, here's an example of a domestic market minister. South African aquaculture-grown abalone is highly prized in the Chinese market, but exports have had huge difficulty because of the pandemic and Hong Kong politics. So logically, we should be adding abalone to restaurant menus in South Africa as an added attraction when tourism restarts. But no South African restaurants offer abalone on their menus. Why? Because the licensing regulations are too onerous. If the department was really focused on supporting the South African industry, it would find a way to take the regulatory burden off individual restaurants, not just bluntly enforce rules that crush demand. The minister has come in as a new broom, but FRAP is where her tenure will be judged. Another hotly disputed, obviously corrupt process, and the entire system will be deprived of legitimacy. We've seen what happens to illegitimate systems. The rules get ignored. Everybody joins in the plunder and the resource disappears. Stuck as it is with a 58-year-old national democratic revolution as an unvariable lodestar, hopes are not high that the ANC will fix this. Innovation is not something it does. And to conclude, Minister, the green stimulus all sounds very nice, but you have to stop the stealing first. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Paulson. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, let me start off by saying that the EFF did not support the original 2021 budget and that we also do not support the current budget adjustment in the report. What we will do instead is give you some advice as Minister as to how you can resolve some of the problems in this department. It's a competency that exists within the EFF. The majority of South Africans do not get to share equally in resources under the stewardship of this department. This department, and especially fisheries, has been one of the worst-run departments for, the, for a number of years. 
With the department having such a broad span of work, it took COVID-19 to confirm, Minister, where you will focus most of your attention. Minister, forestry and fisheries are equally as important. As part of the environments due to COVID-19, the department transferred 961 million from environmental programs to its biodiversity programs to ensure that 4,158 jobs were saved in sandparks and 20 national parks. Minister, I'm concerned about what the effect this will have on EPWP workers in our environmental programs. You mentioned that these programs will go ahead, but how many people will be deprived of jobs that they could have had? Minister, can you also focus on the reason black women in senior management positions are leaving the South African National Biodiversity Institute? It's a concern and we've raised it in the, in the committee as well. This department should play a more active role in ensuring that companies involved in manufacturing and mining activities are held accountable for their role in the degradation of the environment. The department should employ more environmental specialists to ensure adherence to environmental policies. We cannot leave it up to industrialists to police the damage that they've caused to the environment. Minister, let's also focus on the problems in forestry. As far back as in 2017, while holding public hearings on the National Forest Amendment Bill, communities who are directly affected by the bill raised a number of concerns ranging from non-compliance with agreements relating to empowerment of communities, the maintenance of road infrastructure, and the employment of locals. The committee then voiced its disappointment with the department's response to these concerns. We also expressed our disappointment with forestry companies for not responding to the community concerns. During our oversight visits, we were told about the low wages, lack of decent accommodation, bribery of community leaders to cause confusion and the flouting of labor laws. Minister, Chairperson, with forestry and fisheries now lumped with environment, a new minister, a new committee, and even a different chairperson of the committee. The, these are but a few of the many issues being swept under the carpet. We were, we're in contact with com those communities on a weekly basis, and the situation has not improved. MTO, Amatoli Forestry Company, Sengizi, Forestry Products, Safcol, Sapi, Mondi, and PG Bison, despite the wonderful transformation strategies, are still a law unto themselves, and communities remain excluded from the forestry industry. It was especially during this pandemic that communities suffered because of this department's delay in packaging and parceling plantation forests for a handover to communities. Minister, your urgent attention is needed or else those communities will have no option but to take matters in their own hands. Talking about taking matters into their own hands, Minister, people are tired of the rampant corruption and cronyism in the fishing sector. The sector has almost completely been captured by white monopoly capital. Three companies, Oceana, Sea Harvest and Iron Jay, are allocated 90% of the lucrative species, like which has an estimated value of 10 billion rand. Premier Fishing, a majority black-owned fishing company's total allocation over the past 20 years has dropped 80% to a value of only 250 million. Minister, when you allocate quotas in the 2021 FRAP and you base the allocation on past effort as has been advertised, you will be favoring your friends in Oceania, Sea Harvest and Iron Jay. Minister, 
when the EFF governs South Africa, we will immediately scrap that flawed document, the MLRA, since it favors established commercial companies who continue to monopolize our ocean's economy. The Marine Living Resources Act 18 of 1998 excluded small-scale and artisanal fishers who catch and sell fish to sustain livelihoods. It also excluded those involved in post-harvesting and other activities like bait preparation, cleaning, processing, and marketing. It was only in 2005, due to civil society's efforts and an order of the Equality Court, that this ANC government embarked on developing a small-scale fisheries policy. A small-scale fisheries policy amendment to the MLRA was implemented in 2014. How's that for an afterthought? Minister, even you in our last meeting couldn't tell us what the department is doing to assist small-scale fishers during the pandemic since they were not allowed to operate during lockdown level five. Like the rest of this government, this department has no regard for the suffering of our people. We therefore reject this budget adjustment. Thank you very much, Jefferson. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. Honourable Chairperson, as a country, we have witnessed both the positive and negative indirect environmental impact of COVID-19. Lockdown has resulted in a significant improvement of our air, terrestrial and marine environments as a result of the reduction in both economic activity and access restrictions. We must not let these significant gains slip away. So what have we learned from the virus? We have learned that wet markets are breeding pools for zoonotic diseases and must therefore be under the most stringent of regulations so as to ensure human health and safety. The COVID-19 pandemic provides a stark reminder to us that the handling or coming into close contact with wildlife, along with their body parts and or excretions like blood, spit and urine, poses a risk of spillover of the pathogens they host and maintain in nature, and that can lead to zoonotic infections. Chairperson, one therefore cannot overemphasize the need to strictly enforce and regulate the trade of animal products, for example, the lion bone trade. So Minister, will the high-level panel, which composition is now in disarray, provide us with credible solutions? Or will it become nothing but a bureaucratic process and drain on much needed departmental funds? The IFP believes, Honorable Chairperson, that you, Minister, in consultation with Cabinet and with the backing of a House resolution in the Fifth Parliament, have the power to shut down these unacceptable practices of wildlife trade, which is being exploited by criminals and scavengers. Let us look at the example of the rhino horn trade. Only last week, Rhino horn worth 100 million rand was seized at Oar Tambo Airport, disguised as artwork and destined for Malaysia. Or the lion bone trade, which continues unabated with government sanction, yet with no scientific basis or rationale for it to exist in the first place. Minister, I mentioned these examples to emphasize the necessity for continued compliance and monitoring. Despite the adjusted budget, these important functions must not be compromised. Chairperson, the biggest beneficiary in the adjusted budget 
goes to the program of biodiversity and conservation. Just under 1 billion rand will be transferred to two departmental entities, Ismangalisa Whitland Park and Sand Parks. And the principal reasons for this being the inability of these entities to generate sufficient revenue during the lockdown. It is hoped that these funds will provide both a cushion and a springboard that will assist them when economic activities are fully reopened. We as the IFP chairperson believe that these large transfers will not only assist in creating stability in those entities, but that they also underline the importance of biodiversity and conservation as a significant contributor to the economy of our country. We dare not falter in doing everything to protect our natural heritage. Finally, to this end, these entities must also ensure that they maintain current infrastructure within their control and not allow such infrastructure to fall into disrepair and ruin. Whilst there is a need to preserve and protect jobs, there's also a need that in the very near future, these entities must return to being profitable and sustainable revenue generating entities and not a continued drain on the fiscus. The IFP will support the adjusted budget uh, on environment, forestry, and fisheries. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Honorable Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, this department has always had a very important mandate to ensure the protection of the environment and conservation of natural resources, balance the sustainable development for current and future generations, by no means a small feat, now more so than ever before. During this pandemic, we have seen their mandate, funds, and ability to assist really being pushed to its limits. Regardless of the fact that this department's budget is now significantly decreased, this department has historically, no matter its budget, failed its mandate. This department fails South Africans. It fails to protect natural resources and it fails to keep our citizens safe from contaminated water resources. During this pandemic, it is failing our health systems because had this department really been serious about conservation and keeping citizens safe, we would not have seen our municipalities run rampant with environmental violations. The pollution of our natural resources is not limited to the free state where I hail from. It is also not the exception, but the rule. Voorzitter, stortingsterreine wat onder andere die mandaat van hierdie departement is, is gemors. Ek so graag foto's wou wees, maar laat ek eerder die voorbeelde noem. De wetstorf stortingsterrein het 8 miljoen rand gekost en is in 2016 voltooi. Dit was state of the art, maar nou een geplinderde geraamte. Daar is vijf jaar nadat die stadsraad besluit geneem het om Lindy's stortingsterrein wat onwettig binnen 500 meter van die dorp gelees te skuif, steeds niks gedoen nie. Morelig stortingsterrein binnen woonbeerd in Bethlehem was veronderstel om slechts vertuinvullis te wees en het sederdien in een behoorlijke stortingsterrein ontaard met babadoeke en nebels. Botawil en Bessels bronze stortingsterreine voldoen ook aan geen minimum vereiste nie en het rotte, wat ek met my eie oog gesien het, wat so groot is so stafies. En so kan ek aangaan, maar dit raak nog erger. Frankfurt has a landfill in a quarry. Because the necessary measures are not taken, this quarry falls and then the polluted water overflows into the Volga River, which then ultimately ends up in the Val River. In Bessels Bron, the municipality pumps raw sewage into a fell just outside of town. Not only does it then run into the township, but it siphons through to the groundwater, polluting our natural resources even further. And these are all examples that have been raised repeatedly and most recently during this past month. But neither local 
nor provincial, nor national governments are acting to resolve these issues and mitigate the dangerous situations and health risks. In Paris, and yes, the problem was not initially an environmental issue, but has since become one and has a tremendous impact on this department and should be prioritized for the sake of our people, for the sake of our freshwater resources and our wildlife. The pollution in the Val River may have started long before the recent issues, but to this day, the problem persists and is increasing. Due to the forced load shedding in the town, everything suffers, even essential services like hospitals, water sanitation, and recently our sewage pumps. Sewage pumps are switched off twice a day for at least two hours. During these times, raw sewage and blood from the abattoir runs straight into the river. The enforcement of environmental legislation is wanting and the department does not ensure that there are consequences for those officials and members of the public who contravene these. The FF Plus has on numerous occasions, as recently as yesterday, laid criminal charges against, amongst others, municipal managers for these contraventions. But the police do not know how to investigate these matters and no prosecution takes place. The only way to protect our environment is to have real consequences and prosecutions for these transgressions. Achbar minister, ek het al nie begin gesê, hierdie is nie die uitsondering nie, maar die reel. En ek pleit by u, hy genoeg ergens met u departement en die omgeving om hierdie weer die uitsondering en nie die reel te maak nie. Voorzitter, ek dank u. Baie dank u. The next speaker is the Honorable Deputy Minister of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries. Who's this chair? The one who just spoke. Thank I you very much. The Deputy <laughs> Minister. Honorable uh, Minister of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries, Minister Barbara Christie, Honorable Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, Mr. Fikileng Kasa, members of Parliament, and also Environmental, uh, Forestry and Fisheries Management, and East and Peace Management. COVID-19 has presented a number of challenges to all South Africans and to the entire world. Although the pandemic has placed additional pressure on our economy and forced us to reprioritize to meet the needs of our people, it has helped some hidden success for the environment. Factories closed and there were less cars on the roads for a limited period during alert level five of the national lockdown. The reduction in vital emission smoke and pollutants from industries saw an improvement in our ambient air quality and thus a reduction in our greenhouse gas emission, which is important in meeting our international obligations on climate change. Chairperson, we are grateful for this hidden positive because South Africa is naturally a country of climatic extremes. Large part of our country continue to suffer the effect of the most devastating drought in years. Other parts have experienced and are still experiencing destructive floods. As you know, Chair, without food and water, we are unable to su sustain growing population. A key area is the health of our soil. It is well known that community managed land could generate billions of rents worth of ecosystem benefits in South Africa through, for example, reduced pollution, clean water, and erosion control. As a country chair, we have managed to secure more than 3.6 million US dollars through the Global Environment Facility Fund for the implementation of a project 
to address desertification, land degradation, and the effects of drought in grazing lands in Limpopo and Northern Cape province. Globally, negotiations are underway to discuss possible options for addressing drought under the United Nations Convention to Combat Desertification, UNCD. We hope that once an intergovernmental working group on effective policy and implementation for addressing drought concludes its work, we will have a solution or guidance on how to tackle drought issues at all levels. Honorable Chair, among the key areas that can contribute positively to green economy uh, growth is waste, as alluded to by Minister. The department has over the years supported municipalities to manage their waste. Studies on the challenges faced municipalities in this area have shown that there are many issues to be addressed at municipality level. For instance, issues of capacity limitations, lack of knowledge of the Waste Act and its imperatives, resource allocation, inefficiencies, specifically in relation to tariff setting and costing of waste services, waste services backlogs, inadequate planning, and the general low priority allocated to waste management need to be urgently addressed. Municipalities are also being assisted with the development of integrated waste management plans. Chair Good Green Deals campaigns encourage households and communities to reduce, reuse, recycle, and repurpose their waste. Furthermore, our department, in collaboration with the Department of Corporate Governance and the National Treasury, has promulgated a landmark policy on the use of multi of municipalities infrastructure grants, which is referred to as MIG, for funding specialized waste vehicles. Municipalities that have been struggling with waste collection due to the fleet aging, low revenue, and other reasons will thus be able to produce waste collection and other specialized vehicles through these municipality infrastructure grants. Chairperson, this financial year will see the training of 100 municipal officials and councillors on various aspects of waste management. We are also in the process of compiling key waste infrastructure projects for the presidential infrastructure program, as alluded to by the minister also. We are participating in the, we are participating in the United Nations Environment Program, which is referred to as UNEP, COVID-19 Response Platform, that seeks to provide support to communities so as to cope with the context of the pandemic. Through this platform, support to, the, to those that work in the waste management space, including waste pickers, can be coordinated. This includes the donation of food, PPEs, and provision of financial stipends. Additional work is being done with municipalities by the department and UNEP to enable them to deal with the new waste stream that has emerged as a result of COVID-19. This is the management of face masks, disposable hazard suits, plastic gloves, and related materials being used and discarded by medical professionals and members of the community. We need to ensure that this waste does not end up clothing our rivers and oceans or contribute to the increased litter as we work to, to keep our environment safe and clean. I think uh, the uh, uh, member of parliament spoke about vessel spawn, and I agree with that because I've been in that area. Chairperson, because of the South Africa's rich and unique biodiversity, 
Protection of our environment is of utmost importance. This is an area that holds enormous wealth in terms of jobs and economic development. It is the source for the development of the biodiversity economy. It is an area of development that will not only increase equality in the wildlife sector, but it will also increase the share of traditional knowledge holders in the use, both domestically and internationally, of plant-based products used by communities for generations. Within the region, the coexistence of humans and nature this year is being celebrated in the first transfrontier conservation area established 20 years ago. For instance, the establishment of the Khalakhadi Transfrontier Park was an epoch-making milestone for conservation and ecotourism in the region. The historical bilateral agreement signed 20 years ago between South Africa and Botswana established the only transfrontier park that is open in the true sense of the word for tourism movement. Chaperson, these TFCAs are one of the greatest conservation success stories within SADC, and they guarantee the long-term conservation of valuable wildlife resources in the region. Jefferson rapid, rapid urbanization and the movement of people from rural to urban areas is placing greater pressure on existing infrastructure. One of the areas presently meeting some of our needs is the expanded public works programs working for fire initiatives. This includes working for land to ensure sustainable land management, working for water, which aims to secure strategic water resource through the removal of alien and invasive species and working for wetlands directed at ensuring nature's natural water filters are fully restored. Another key area is the protection of our forest, that is areas vital for sustainable development. These renewable natural resources are crucial for tackling issues such as poverty, food security, climate change, biodiversity, sustainable production and consumption, and social inclusion. Chairperson, through plantation forestry and the Forestry Stewardship Council, we will be able to enhance on the existing natural forests and woodlands in our country. Forest contribution is around 10% of the agricultural GDP. Three years ago, Chairperson, many people lost their homes, businesses were destroyed, more than 10,000 people were displaced, and thousands of hectares of indigenous forests was destroyed in a wildfire that ripped through Naisma and surrounding areas in the Western Cape. This wildlife could have been worse had it not been for the ongoing clearing of invasive species by the Working for Water program in that area. We are well aware of concerns around management of state forestry in the Southern Cape, that is the Western Cape, and this has led to the department employing 89 workers to assist with fire prevention measures on the state-owned plantation. The working on fire teams have prepared strategic fire breaks in the area. Similar operations are underway in other forested areas across the country. Chairperson, earlier this year, 120 young people graduated through the, our forestry support programs to become working on firefighters and forestry project graduates. I then appeal to our youth to apply for and participate in skills-based training programs being offered by government. I, wa I want also to confirm the critical importance of women as front fighters against our, changing, uh, against our changing climate. Women's role is also more important today than ever, as they are the backbone of development, particularly in our rural areas and informal economy. In conclusion, I would like to thank you, Minister, 
Chrissy, and also the chairperson and the team in the portfolio committee for their support. I would also like to extend my gratitude to the department's former director general, Ms. Nosi Ponwaba, who retired a month ago, and the acting director general, Mr. Isham Abada, and the entire team at DAV. I thank you very much for your support together and the team. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. The next speaker is the Honorable Fring. Honorable House Chairperson, the Department of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries has a mandate to achieve sustainable development towards a better quality of life for all. With a downward revised budget from 8.95 billion to some 8.9 billion. Like many government departments, this department has to do more with less. This adjustment budget vote is as a result of the COVID-19 virus with much of the revisions going towards mitigating the effects of this virus, but contributing by contributing to a post-COVID-19 economic recovery plan, which includes the blue and green economies as new sectors for innovation, inclusion, and job creation. The ACDP appreciates the efforts made by the department to secure uh, some 4,158 jobs uh, saved in sand parks uh, and 20 other national parks. Efforts to protect the 4.3 million hectares of South Africa's conservation estate and the 3,697 square kilometers of marine protected areas are also appreciated. This was made possible by the transfer of some 961 million from Program 6 to the South African National Parks. Honorable House Chair, stories by surf fishermen abound about the plundering with impunity of our marine resources by trawlers from outside and other countries. When these fishermen shine their lights on the trawlers, the lights of these trawlers are immediately switched off. At dawn, the trawlers immediately can be seen making a beeline in an easterly direction. If no action is taken, we can kiss our ocean economy recovery plan goodbye. The ACDP notes with concern the last Auditor General of South Africa's report that the department, while making progress from an adverse opinion to a qualified opinion, the overall portfolio had regressed to receiving three modified opinions from the two modified opinions of the previous year. Irregular expenditure had increased from 119 million to 604 million. The root causes of this were slow or no response to improving key controls and addressing risk areas, inadequate consequences of poor performance, and instability in vacant key positions. On the audit for the Marine Living Resources Fund and Forestry, it had regressed from a qualified audit opinion to a disclaimer of opinion, while forestries had also regressed from an unqualified opinion to a qualified opinion. According to the last audit report, there were no investigations of all the allegations of financial misconduct and fraud, and the supply chain management misconduct was not investigated. The root causes were the same as for the DEA. It is said that the fish indeed rots from the head. The ACDP does not support this adjustment budget. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Sheikh Imam. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, okay. First of all, yes, the National Freedom Party supports the prior adjustment budget table here. Yeah? Let me start off by saying, uh, uh, 
quoting a, a very famous quote. They say, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach him a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Now, having said that, Honorable Minister, through your House Chair, some of the challenges that the fishing industry, particularly the small-scale fishing industry, is facing, and I think some of my colleagues have already alluded to, and is the monopoly that exists in the country, particularly with large-scale fishing companies and fishing trawler companies. And in fact, I've had a situation where in uh, the fishing industry, particularly in the Western Cape, have repeatedly complained about the problem. And you'll find that for a long period of time, every year, the small-scale fishermen in the Western Cape are not able to gain access to a, a, a certain species of fish. And in this particular case, it is the snook, which is where most of their livelihoods depend on. And the reason for that is apparently that the large-scale fishing companies and the monopoly that they have in deep sea they do not allow these species to come closer to the shore so these people are able to capture them. And that's one of the serious problems we have. But Minister, I want to go on to something completely different. And I've highlighted this many a times before, but it has not received the desired attention. And that is an environmental issue. Many, many years ago, there was a study done by the KZN University. And that study was on the environment impact of air pollution in the Mirwen, Jacobs, Lamontville, Osterville, Bluff areas, and the high pollution rate, which results in lung infections, tuberculosis, and things. And this uh, uh, report has not been released for some reason or the other. I want to urge you, Minister, to put some mechanisms in place to do some research into this, com into this community into the high levels of these particular illnesses where it's lung infections and tuberculosis and others. So the other issue is, Minister, is the issue of forestry. Again, there's been repeated concerns raised by members of the forestry industry, particularly in the Sitsikama, Eastern Cape and Western Cape regions. There is no beneficiation. It's also manipulated and controlled by big business and what happens is, this, particularly if there is fires and things in this area, these people remain without an income for a long period of time. It's some of the issues that we believe that you should be looking at in terms of that. Then, but I want to go back to the issue of how. Remember, your time has now expired. You the National Freedom Party supports this adjustment budget. Thank you very much. Chef. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable Weber. Chairperson, in March 2019, 16 fossil fuel power stations from ESCOM applied for postponement and suspension of compliance with the minimum emission standard timeframes, which should have been effected from 1 April 2020. In March this year, this process was still not concluded. These power stations had five years to reduce the toxic air pollution, moving towards the minimum emission standard, but there were no reductions. After two failed attempts by two previous ministers, Minister Creasy successfully gazetted the doubling of the SO2 standard in March 2020 from 500 to 1,000 milligrams per cubic meter. Could the reason for this be that South Africa now have to have in their nationally determined contributions? By doubling the standard of SO2, the country might look good as the percentage of air pollution will seem to have decreased. If this is the case, South Africans will believe that they are successfully winning the fight against air pollution, but it is only government pulling a veil over their eyes. 
How serious is the government in fighting for people's lives and the protection of our environment? In October 2019, an illegal mine popped up at the farm in Mpumalanga. It destroyed a registered weapon. The mine was covered underwater in December due to rain, and the toxic polluted water ran into the drinking water of the surrounded farms and towns. This, while the Department of Water gave the mining company a directive, making it clear that they cannot mine there. On 21 February 2020, Minister McCarthy published a list of valid permits and licenses as an answer to a question in Parliament. And the name of this mining company was not there. A questionable permit, no consultation, no public participation, no environmental management plan, and an environmental impact assessment, copy and paste from various other EIS. Is this a new land grab plan? This farmer and the environment have been completely failed by the government's unwillingness to apply the rule of law. In these cases, the failure of the ANC state has been laid bare. The environment has not been protected. The mineral rights system has been shown to be in shambles, and private property has been shown to not be safe. I thank you, Jacobs. Thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is the Honorable Hendricks. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair Al Jamar uh, supports this budget. We wish the Minister everything of the best because, as we know, budgets have been induced because of COVID-19. However, the Minister has no excuse to continue to allow the African child to live in sewerage, to eat in sewerage, to play in sewerage, and after the Cape of Storms in the Western Cape, sleeping sewerage. The minister has to use the provisions of the NEMA Act. It is the only act that gives a minister the right to, to, to criminally charge officials who harm the environment. So in Masapumaleli and also uh, in, uh, in Zanflay, we have directors from the ministers, directors of environment enforcement that the NEMA Act, that the municipalities are in, in non-compliance with the NEMA Act. Al-Jamaa went so far as to get two directors after the first directive, there was some fault with it. We got the Human Rights, Pro the Human Rights Commission to prepare damning reports on the harm to the African child. We got a public protector, Honorable Chair, to issue a settlement agreement uh, with regard to Masumaleli. And we brought three professors to examine the fish in Cork Bay. The snook, one third is diseased, and we are expected to eat a fish that we love very much in Cape Town. The minister has got the green scorpions, but they, in my view, they are lame ducks. They don't enforce the NEMA Act. So while we support this budget, we ask the minister to use the powers of the NEMA Act and criminally charge uh, uh, officials who harm the environment and uh, also harm African children. The, the minister uh, should uh, show no fear or favor, no matter if these municipalities are ANC municipalities, or DA municipalities, or if the province is controlled by an MEC from, uh, from, from the DA, for example, and not from the ruling party. We feel that the minister is not doing enough to enforce the NEMA Act. 
and uh, we hope that um, the minister will give attention to it so that the African child does not live in sewerage. Honorable Chair, climate, uh, 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 sewage pollution of our waterways is more harmful than climate change. This is what the professors at UCT, Stellenbosch, University of Western Cape, CSIR, have told us in their findings. Sewerage pollution at the moment are, are harming one million residents of Kailitsa as the sewage from the Zanbe is shooting into the country. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable Winkler. Thank you. We are here to create a better world for ourselves and for those that come after us. We must act with purpose and urgency to address the climate crisis, which threatens our very existence. South Africa has its role to play, considering that 77% of our energy comes from coal and that our poorest and most vulnerable communities are choking under the weight of poisoned air. We must transition as quickly as possible to renewable energy, not build two new coal plants to honor our commitments to the Paris Agreement. We have an opportunity to gear South Africa towards a green economy where we promote growth, create well-paid, safe jobs, conserve our biodiversity and increase South Africa's overall well-being. We need strong leadership and vision to do this, though, and we need South Africans to join us in this mission. If we take too many steps in the wrong direction, we will end up destroying our natural heritage that we are world-renowned for. Goodbye tourism, goodbye conservation. The world is facing the sixth mass extinction, and yet this government wants to remove the remaining protection of our iconic wildlife, allowing them to be butchered for profit, to be eaten under the proposed amendment to the Meat Safety Act. Our lives we packed like sardines in enclosures, skin and bones to be used and then shot in captive lion hunts. How can we continue on a path where we have no reverence for life, for our planet, where nothing is sacred except the dollar bill? Even though this earth has given us everything we need, we repay her through exploitation and short-sighted laws. Something far greater hangs in the balance. It's South Africa's pride and heritage. We are selling her soul from beneath our feet. How can we allow this to happen under our watch? We must lead. Honorable Minister Creasy, history will remember you for the decisions you have been entrusted to make. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable Gancho. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister Chrissy, Honorable Deputy Minister Soichu, and Honorable Members, let me take this opportunity and give respect to our departed stalwart, Utata Umlangi. May his soul rest in peace. Honorable Chairperson, today, as we are faced with a global pandemic that threatens the very existence of human life, Five days ago, the world joined us in celebrating the legacy of our global icon, Utada Nelson Mandela. And we are today reminded of his words when he said in 2002, speaking at the opening of the Water Dome during the World Summit in Sustainable Development, I quote, when I return as often as I do to the rural village and the area of my childhood and youth, the poverty of people and the devastating of the natural environment painfully strike me. 
Chairperson, a lot of progress has since been made when Utada said these worrisome words. Admittedly, a lot still needs to be done. You may as well wish to ask a question, Honorable Chairperson. Are we ready and up for a task that lies before us? The answer is yes, a very resounding yes. Our state of readiness is clearly articulated in the ready to govern ANC policy document. In it, we said, we must use our environment in a careful and well-planned way so that all can benefit from it now and in the future. The Department of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries has developed policies on the protection of our environment and the use of our natural resources. And today, I stand before this house in the name of African National Congress in firm support of this budget vote 32. There are a number of reasons why we support this budget as the ANC. Firstly, take serious note of the current fiscal framework and the global pandemic that has led to the adjustment of this budget vote. And as a result, the department had to revise its annual performance plan accordingly. Despite these understandable cuts, the vote will contribute to efforts being made in growing our economy and creating job opportunities. Honorable Chairperson, one of the programs that promised to create massive job opportunities is our ocean's economy. And this year, more fishing rights will be allocated to fishing cooperatives. The expansion and participation of small fishing communities in the value and, and chain and supply chain as resolved by 54th National Conference of the ANC in Nazareth is critical in transforming, transformation of economy. The COVID-19 has challenged our ability to make use of modern technology in doing our work and business. And innovative ideas such as Abalobi mobile application are important for the sustainability of small-scale fisheries sector. Honorable Chairperson, this budget will support 19 traditional authorities for, biodiver for biodiversity economy implementation. And these are very much welcome programs given the huge economic benefit our, our, our people stands to gain upon their successful implementation. And this important, it is important to remember that these, former, these are former homelands and very impoverished areas where 67% of our citizens reside. Chairperson, South Africa is said to be a home to 22,000 indigenous plants. And over these years, the use of these plants have provided our source, a source of livelihoods for many traditional communities. And we encourage the continued cultivation of indigenous species and the potential economic benefits derived in terms of indigenous knowledge systems. Honorable members, one of our greatest source of pride and wealth in, as a nation is our national protected areas. And our national parks falls within these areas and other areas falls within the United Nations UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And they are a tourist source of attraction. And this provides a lot of employment 
and economic opportunities to the surrounding communities. This is our common national heritage and our common national inheritance. Honorable Chairperson, we all know the devastation of climate change on our farming communities and, it, and in our most vulnerable communities. It is in this light that we acknowledge the positive impact that climate change adaptation sector plans have on the development of knowledge and strategies in the implementation of climate adaptation programs. And we are excited about the prospects of these climate adaptation strategies at local level through the district development models. We welcome the establishment of the draft section 29 plan on waste tires. The ANC Honorable Chairperson is committed to just transition to a low carbon climate resilient economy. And we are particularly pleased with work being done on the development of sector jobs resilience plan. Honorable Chairperson, the African National Congress fully acknowledged the devastating impact of COVID-19 in our economy. And we applaud initiatives taken by the department in reprioritizing its budget while ensuring that the core function of the department's mandate remains. In conclusion, Honorable Chairperson, we must never and never forget the main content of the National Democratic Revolution. That is to liberate the liberation of Africans in particular and Blacks in general from the political and social economic bondage. It means uplifting the, the quality of life of all South Africans, especially poor, the majority of whom are Africans and women. Before I close, term, to this racist DA that has never provided any solutions since Jan van Riebeek came into our, into our land, but now they are grandstanding, well, the acting as if they can do, as if they can do better. Honorable Gancho, there's a member who wants to know if you are prepared to take a question. Are you no, I'm not. The member I'm not. The question. Thank you. I'm, I'm not. Continue on Chairperson, the member. to EFF, please allow the ANC to lead as it has been given a mandate by the majority of voters. Some of can stand up. I now recognize the Honorable Minister of the Environment, Forestry and Fisheries. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. And let me start by thanking all the Honorable Members for the debate. In particular, thank you for the support and thank you for the constructive criticism. I'm going to start by responding to some of the key points that I think one must respond to. With regard to FRAP 2020-21, the principles that will guide this process are transparency, 
accountability, and transformation in the ownership of the sector. At this point, there is nothing I can do to convince the honorable member of the opposition that I can run a process with integrity. But allow me to run the process and criticize me afterwards. What I'm not prepared to do is to apologize in this house for the transformation record of the African National Congress in the fishing industry. This industry in 1994 was 100% white owned. Now the average ownership in this, of black ownership in this industry is in the region of 60 to 65%. And I think that that is a significant transformation achievement. What we have also done and I thought the Honourable Member of the EFF would congratulate me for it, is the fact that we have concluded the allocation of these 15-year fishing rights to, to 10,500 10, small-scale fishermen and women who have never had these rights before. Small-scale fishing was allowed throughout the under level five. We did conservation work during the milk run to ensure that this product, which is in the basket of small-scale fisher, was something they were able to access, including dealing with, with the police on questions of movement. We've also done a lot of work on the KZN coast to ensure that recreational fishers and small-scale fishers can benefit from the sardine run. Both of these runs were extremely good this year and colleagues were happy. We've also worked together with the fishing industry as a whole to open up restaurants because we understand that this is how fishing persons can access markets for their products. Honorable Singh, with regard to the high level panel, let me say that I am aware of concerns in the public domain regarding the lack of balance on this panel, and I will shortly be announcing three new members, which I hope will go some way to dealing with these concerns. But in the end, the decisions that have to be made are mine, and I'm not going to absolve myself of that responsibility or shirk any difficult decisions that have to be made. And I have already asked the panel to consider the inputs that were made by the previous portfolio committee on all matters before it. Uh, Honorable Briet, I think the Deputy Minister has answered most questions on landfills, but if you would like to contact my office with regard to specific landfills that are not in compliance, I'm very happy to assist you in dealing with these matters. With regard to irregular expenditure, I have recently received a report on irregular expenditure in the department. It doesn't include the two branches that I only inherited in April. I am considering this report in due course. I will report to the portfolio committee what remedial action one is going to take. Um, Honorable Sheikh, uh, I have mentioned the fact that the snook season was very good this year. And uh, let me also say to you that we do have uh, a health study that is going to be implemented in the Durban Basin. We are concerned about high levels of pollution in that area, and we're already convening a meeting with all of the stakeholders. 
Um, with regard to the point that was made by Al Jamaa on pollution of our rivers, I've already acted in Milneton and in Langeban on specific cases. If you want to bring particular cases to my attention when they happen, I'm very happy to assist you in that regard. Honorable Winkler, with regard to the Meat Safety Act, I have had a meeting with the Minister of Agriculture on that particular piece of legislation, and I have brought to her attention my concerns regarding threatened and protected species that are included there, and she has promised to get back to me on this matter. Honorable Weber, with regard to the doubling of the SO2 standard, I think it's important to remember that in the high-felt priority area, at the moment, SO2 emissions are somewhere in the region of 5,000, 3,500. So setting the standard at 1,000 will considerably in, improve current air quality, and it is a standard that some of the major polluters believe, given their, their current ability to invest, they will be able to achieve. Uh, let me conclude there and thank honourable members once again for all of the important contributions they have made to this debate. Thank you, Honourable Minister. Honourable Members, that concludes the debate and the business of this mini-plenary. The mini-plenary will now rise. Thank you very much, Jefferson. Thank you, Thank House Chair. Amanda. Away too. <laughs>